What's up, guys? Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this was a no-brainer. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here's what you do. You download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Season coming back from 14 nothing down. What a win! The show by the fans for the fans, covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DC Crossover, episode number 82. That is Mike Cerrone. I am Ben Simpson. Action-packed show for you today. Hope you enjoyed hearing the uh, Washington football team. I almost said it, Mike. I almost said <laughs> uh, the the dreaded Redskins word. I almost said it, but I, I held back. The Washington football team post-game show, we uh, were able to hop on the contender uh, Sunday after the game, and uh, Mike called in and joined the conversation for a bit. We even had a, I didn't even know we could do this, but we had three people talking all at the same time. We had you on the phone. Yep. We had Joe, who I actually, I believe, is on uh, from another podcast on our station, uh, Defeating the Curse podcast. I think that's who uh, called in, and you were on the phone, and I was here in the studio, and um, that was it, was it was fun. It was a good little hour post-game show after the game. Obviously, the game itself wasn't very fun, but uh, it's kind of cool when we can hop on live and, and break things down, and uh, I appreciate you <laughs> risking your life, basically, <laughs> on the highways in Pennsylvania and Maryland and all that stuff to hop on for a bit on the phone. Um, yeah, that was probably your first time doing a post-game show from your car, my <laughs> guess would be. I mean, we have done things in the past where I believe, you know, when you were on WGMU before I joined, 
uh, the station after graduation. I think I might have called into one of your shows, something like that, while I was driving. But sure. at the same time, it's very, very difficult because it's it's one thing if you are calling in from a highway where you're kind of on cruise control for the most part. Right, right. Um, like 95 coming, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, not coming from the north because when you're coming from, like, say, 81, 81 is very, very simple because you're basically just cruising, just going, you know, you're kind of weaving a little bit. But when you're coming from, like, the Pittsburgh area where I was coming from, I mean, it was like you're going downhill and you're going uphill and people oh, are honking. You're I mean, going through the it mountains was, and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're going through the mountains in, in on 81, but it's all it's mostly flat mountains because they're right, all right. cut. But here, I mean, I'm I'm like literally on cruise control, going like five over, just hanging back and just chilling. And all of a sudden, I'm going down a hill and my, my car is trying to j- downshift. And I mean, I mean, the cruise control was working overtime. And then right, right, you know right. that that was the issue with that, but. When I called into the show, when the game ended, I was on 15, kind of you know near Leesburg, Point of Rocks, all that kind of area over there, and that's like a death trap always. I mean, I, I one time I came back in, in in the night, and there was 17 deer like just running around. Oh yeah, and, that's, I mean my, that's one of my worst fears. I think is right. a deer running in front of my car nighttime, or uh, it happened to my sister once. A deer like jumped in front of her car, and she mm-hmm. was fine, luckily, but the car wasn't. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. These these stupid deer will just jump in front. And whenever yeah. you're on those small roads, and it's nighttime, it's like that's the first thing in my thought, uh, in in my mind, every single time is. It's it's gonna happen. This exactly. is the night that the deers and, jump out. <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing is when I was calling with you, the, the thing was like I was trying to listen to you, and also it was it was kind of busy. So it was yeah, like yeah. there was like guy, there's a whole row of cars in front of me, and I'm sitting there like you know doing the one handed thing, trying to talk to you, and I'm like at the same time I, you already knew because I was texting you uh, that. I, I could I had the hardest time streaming this damn game. Right. Like, I mean, literally, I went on the Washington football team app, and I pressed live stream. Nothing would play. Yeah, I checked on that. I guess the radio stream is not free. It was a, it, You have to go get, like, tune-in radio, and you have to get a, a, a premium subscription, and then <laughs> okay. you can listen to the game. I mean, it's I don't, I don't know. I was looking around for, trying to help you out, but it was like, I don't know how to help you out in this well, situation. Yeah, like, I don't know I, where you can find the game. I, I clicked on the CBS Sports app, and when I went on there, it said, like, Saints versus WFT. I clicked on it, and it just kept loading and loading. I'm like, okay. And then it also disappeared. And then right. I went on the Odyssey app, and that app, I mean, literally, I clicked on Team 980 because that's, like, all gung-ho WFT rather right. than 106.7. And I ended up going on there, and all of a sudden, like, it would play the game. And I'd be hearing the game, then all of a sudden, like it would like kind of cut out, and then all of a sudden, this guy in a studio would be talking about like scores and stuff like that. <laughs> and I'm just like, what, what? I didn't change the station. Where the hell did the game go? It was oh, it was a it was a nightmare. I was getting, I was getting so frustrated, man. So fr- I was I started to sweat. I was getting so frustrated. Oh I could, no, I, I, I know I, those oh. I know those frustration sweats. Trust me, <laughs> trust me. I know them well. Anytime I'm building any sort of furniture, that's when the frustration sweats right, start coming right. out. When I'm like. I'm like I can't I, I can't read these directions I don't understand <laughs> these pictures, um, but but anyways you were able to hop on that was fun yeah. you can catch the they've actually been replaying the post game show on the Contender app that's Contender with a K so go download that app it's free you can listen to Mike and I when we do our post game shows and our podcast streams throughout the week on there as well as other content uh, you know you got other DC sports content Bill Rowland and uh, some other podcasts and you got Chicago sports content so. I'm really uh, excited for the future with the contender, and that's going well. And uh, you know, we're we're definitely thankful for for the opportunity to be on that station. Uh, you can follow our Twitter account at the DC Crossover and at Cerrone16 from Mike. 
and you can also catch our other podcasts, uh, the about Bird's Eye View with Erica McCall that's produced by the DC Crossover. And there's been, uh, I believe, episode four drops tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Monday evening, the episode drops Tuesday morning uh, for Erica, uh, Washington Mystics player, talking about international hoops. So a lot going on, a lot to talk about on this show. We will touch briefly on the Washington football team. Um, uh, the, we did a lot of talking about this game yesterday, so I don't want to do too much right. time on it because we, we've been teasing for a while that we wanted to talk a little Nats, um, kind of uh, recapping the season. So we'll definitely get into that. Uh, and, of course, the usual segments, uh, take a look around the NFC East, college football, forecast, trivia, all the good stuff. But first, we'll just hit up a quick rewind here. Not Not a whole lot to rewind about. But starting this week, we'll get to start talking Washington Capitals again, which is going to be fun. So you'll you'll definitely hear some uh, recaps of those games. Uh, for this one, just Washington football team, of course, uh, lost to New Orleans the other day, 33-22. They fall to now 2-3, and three, but that NFC East is not quite the beast. Uh, they're still second place in the division, funny enough, uh, with the Eagles and uh, with Giants being pretty bad and then the Eagles having the same record I believe uh, you know they're still in the second place uh, this game Heineke 20 for 41 248 no passing touchdowns two picks two sacks that QBR 24.9 he did also have five rushes for 40 yards which is almost identical to what he did the previous week I think he had five rushes for 42 yards so uh, Antonio Gibson 20 carries 60 yards a couple touchdowns those were in short yardage situations one two yard type rushing touchdowns We'll take him. They also had a couple catches. Other names that uh, we'll talk about, Jared Patterson uh, ran the ball four times. Adam Humphreys, three catches, 73 yards. DeAndre Carter, great game, four catches, 62 yards. Scary Terry, four catches, 46 yards. Ricky Seals-Jones, our guy, five catches for 41 yards. Deron Payne and Chase Young, each with a sack in the game. And Cole Holcomb with an interception, which... When you look at those defensive stats and you hear those, you think, oh, this team must have played really well, probably won the game. Not quite the, the case. Washington football team. All right, Mike. So we spent a lot of time yesterday with the word frustration uh, because this was a one of those really frustrating games. This was a winnable game. Uh, but going into the game, it was a winnable game in our eyes. And during the game, it seemed uh, very winnable at times. Uh, the big dagger at halftime with the Hail Mary. I'm sure you've gotten to see clips of that. Uh, probably one of the most em- embarrassing defensive laps I've, lapses I've ever seen. Uh, th- it's been replayed over and over again here on Twitter today and such, and the <laughs> defensive guy's just not even jumping for a Hail Mary, ball in the air, uh, not tipping it down. That touchdown is kind of emblematic of this game as a whole where when the team needed to just not even do extraordinarily, but just like do their job. They yeah. weren't able to do so. And that's kind of a, a representation of this team as a whole in this game, Mike. Uh, but yeah, that halftime Hail Mary, not the best look for Jack Del Rio in this defense. Right. And that's the biggest key that you're talking about is kind of, and I think what you're, you're getting at is when one part of the system fails, the other one thrives. And what I mean by that is, when the offense has been doing well and scoring a lot of points, the defense has been failing us. But then right. you see in this situation where the defense was actually putting up some numbers. Cole Holcomb with the interception. Sure. Chase Young finally got his sack. 
that we've been they've been we've been uh, uh, yearning for and stuff yeah, like forced that. Forced to fumble. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you just see it, and you're saying, what are we doing on offense now? Like the Saints, yes, they do have some good playmakers on defense. Marshawn Lattimore was a defensive rookie of the year uh, when he came into the league. Um, they got some other guys uh, all around the ball uh, that are that are good playmakers, but they're not like this. 85 Bears, 2000 Ravens defense that's like going to shut you down every single. I mean, th- no. think about it. When we got the first interception, okay, the, the 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 drive was four plays and five yards. I mean, yeah, it was opening drive. It was opening. That's your drive first drive. Pick. Yeah, your first drive lasted less than a minute, 52 right, seconds. Right. Like you should be prepared. I mean, obviously the Saints. You know, they might have came in with some type of defense that you weren't really used to, and maybe it was a bad situation again. I need to go back and actually look at all the highlights and everything like that. I haven't really had a chance to uh, since I, since I got back from Pittsburgh yesterday. Um, but that's the biggest thing is that's your opening drive. Then all of a sudden, the very next drive, the Saints come back and say, all right, three plays, 75 yards, which is yeah, the exact yeah. opposite that we just had. And that's the problem is I'm looking at is you have to have all players firing on all cylinders at all the same time. That's the problem is that we've seen so far is it's like you mentioned earlier, one part of the team is failing, is lackluster. The other part of the team is picking up that part of the or like the the offense is picking up the defense, defense is picking up the offense, whatever. But you can't go out there and like I said before, a must win game and let in a Hail Mary touchdown at the end of the game. Or at the end of the half, I should say. The problem with that is is that we could have gone in there thirteen all came back with the momentum because we had the momentum in the first half. And, and keep in mind, uh, the Saints were kicking off to start the second half. So, exactly. That's, you know. exactly. I, was, yeah. I, was about, I was about to just say that, and that's the thing. is you're, you're literally looking at it and saying, 13 all, we get the ball in the second half, we got the momentum, we were, we were moving the ball pretty decently well in the second quarter and also at the end of the first. So you're just saying, what are we doing here? 49 yards? I mean, we, we, we had it all the way down to eight seconds or whatever it was. And then they were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to throw. I mean, D'Angelo Hall said it best. There's, there are two options. Even Fred Smoot said it on the halftime show on the radio. They don't understand. What are we doing? There's two options. You throw it to the, throw it to the end zone or you throw it to the sidelines to see if you can get a field goal. There's two options. You know what they're doing. They're not going to run the ball. They're not going to do a draw play. They're not going right. to do anything because they didn't have any timeouts. So, so what are we doing, Jack Del Rio? And we already talked about this on the postgame show a little bit, touched on it briefly. What are we doing? Why don't you have three safeties out there sitting back near the end zone and then have all your have three I don't now I didn't see the formation so I don't know if there was three down linemen or whatever there was but even if you do have three down linemen you have eight defensive backs or eight linebackers and defensive backs out there there should not have been any shot that they would have got that Hail Mary now we've seen certain guys Marquez Callaway it's not yeah. DeAndre Hopkins who who's I catching balled this ball out yesterday though. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, seriously, and that's the funny thing is DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals. I think it was a couple years ago got that hail mary from Kyler Murray. Okay, Marquez Callaway isn't even on the radar for people in New Orleans. Right. So that's that's my point is that you're sitting there saying how did this happen and that deflated the entire stadium. I could hear it on the radio. Literally, there was no crowd noise. The first half there were crowd there there was crowd noise. Second half zippy. Zippy, even on our opening drive, and even the people on the broadcast. And might I add, the broadcast wasn't that great. Uh, <laughs> just going to put it that way, because I mean, Julie Donaldson, she can be the most professional person on the earth, but when she's throwing these little weird tidbit facts in there, it just kind of throws you off because you're in the, sure. the they're in the zone trying to picture the game. But then all of a sudden, she's saying like, "Oh, well, there, there, there's 
37% chance of this. I'm like, okay, you got to stop with Football the Football is here. such a TV sport. Like, yeah. radio, b- b- baseball is really the best sport for radio right, because right. the game is slow enough that, you know, you can. Uh, it's just I, I've even heard. I mean, basketball on the radio, I'd say is somewhere in the middle. But football, you gotta hear. You gotta be watching that game live. Uh, it, it's just it's, it's just, just too tough to hear it on the radio. It, it it just was it just was burning me out because when when I heard Bram Weinstein seriously go and say, "Did he catch that ball? Oh my gosh, it's a touchdown for the Saints!" Like seriously, yeah. eight seconds left. You can't defend eight seconds. And then oh, I hear so on the radio, and I heard you say it. Uh, you know, through our texts and everything like that. No one jumped. What what are we doing? I just don't get this. This game was so winnable. We had all the great defensive plays and the turnovers and everything like that in the first half. We should have been up, you know, twenty-one to, to ten in the right, first half right, for right. for how the stats looked. But everything on paper is different than how the game turned out. And the New Orleans Saints put a whooping on us once again. Another over thirty game with no defensive touchdowns. Might I add, they didn't get right. a defensive touchdown, so it kind of lopsided it. They got thirty points once again on this defense. And I'm t- I'm telling you right now, the secondary is an issue, and we're going to get into that right now. Yeah, Landon Collins, uh, you mentioned that the 72-yard touchdown pass, um, and if you go back and watch that play, uh, Landon Collins just got completely burnt. Uh, yep. he, he even, I mean, I, it was a little double move or something, but it wasn't that, it wasn't something that should have led to that touchdown. It was not that outstanding of a move where Landon Collins like tripped and fell or anything like that. He literally just didn't keep running with the man, and the man blew by him wide open, ends up scoring. There was another play in the earlier in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think it was like like a 13 yard touchdown pass or something like that when they were uh, when the Saints were in the uh, red zone. Kind of a similar deal where you've got. Uh, defensemen just not talking to each other, and a guy ends up peeling off wide open for a touchdown um, in in another crucial spot. And, and this has been the theme of this year and with this team is defensive miscommunication. They're talking about it every broadcast. You have uh, whoever's doing color commentary for that game taking a clip and breaking it down and showing you how the defense is not communicating and showing you how the secondary is getting burned and torched left and right. Uh, it's every game now. It's literally every game we have a situation where you have somebody break down, oh, look, here's Landon Collins, and here's where he made a mistake or or whoever, you know, and it's Bobby McCain or, you know, whoever's on the play. It's, uh, it's getting embarrassing, Mike. I mean, now we're here five games in. I understand a couple games in, okay, all right, you're you're at the beginning of the season. You're trying to figure some stuff out. At this point, this team shouldn't be miscommunicating on a game every game. I mean, it's it's not even just one play. It's multiple plays, and it's every game, and it's it's getting very embarrassing. Right, and that's what I'm doing right now is looking up the quote from J.P. Finley where he said that Ron Rivera said that there are going to be no changes to the defensive game plan. I'm going to read it right now for you. Uh, as it pops up on my phone here. He said, Rivera said, we played 56 plays on defense. The other 54, I'm not going to to damn them because the other two weren't where they were supposed to be. That's one thing he said. He also said, uh, let's see, well, he has a lot of quotes on here. Uh, I just saw it not too long ago. I'll find it. Uh, but <laughs> like, there's literally so many quotes on here. I thought it was right here. But anyways. So he's, um, he's claiming that there were only two defensive plays where guys weren't where they were supposed to be. That is what I, Ron Rivera I, is saying. I, I guess. I guess. I guess. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean, that's I'm trying. <laughs> that's I, I just, crazy. I, anyways, the the, the um, I guess you could say I, I can't find. I don't know why it's not, it's yeah, not right. coming up. He might have deleted. Who knows? But it, it said that 
they're not going to change the game plan, the defensive game. I'm like, okay, you you, you got to change something. You can't just right. sit there and say we're not going to change the game plan. We're doing okay. Like it's that's it's not that simple there, bud. I'm sorry, but you know what? I can be I can sit here and be the armchair, you know, or whatever they call it, the couch potato coach or whatever they call it, the couch <laughs> yeah, coach. Yeah. Armchair um, quarterback but, or whatever. Yeah, armchair, yeah. yeah. So, but you're looking at it 29 points against the Giants, 43 against the Bills, 30 against the Falcons, 33 against the Saints. Right there, the lowest amount of points was 29 against the the, the sorry New York Giants offense. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the Chargers, yes, first game of the season. You know, they should have scored a lot more points because they had like 800 yards. Right. But at the right. same time, it's like <laughs> you can't get out there, go out there, have one of the best on paper defenses, and say oh, I'm not going to change anything. I'm not. We, we can't right. change the game plan. I mean, you have the Chiefs, the Packers, the Broncos, oh, and the man. Bucks. <laughs> if you don't four, change the game plan, these you're guys gonna get are going to up sixty. It's crazy. <laughs> I think coaches fall in the trap of trying to protect their guys and make sure guys don't get their feelings hurt and things like that. Where it's like, hey, you know, we trust these guys. We trust our system. You know, we're going to be able to make it work. When everybody can watch these games and see it's not working. The personnel's not working. William Jackson is not. Uh, a pro bowler you know yeah. uh Landon collins is not a pro bowler Th- these guys are not performing where they need to perform and and maybe it, it, you could look at it on an individual basis but sometimes you have to it, it's something that w- that was interesting on the lion's side of things uh, just to veer off for a second was going into the season dan campbell and and his defensive coaches talked about um putting guy playing two guys strengths if a guy doesn't necessarily have certain skills that maybe the scheme or system has, you're going to adjust that system to fit the strength. Maybe the guy doesn't have that much speed. Okay, we're going to adjust to that. Maybe the guy doesn't have that much spatial awareness. We're going to adjust to that. It's the same thing. You can take that concept with the Washington football team and play to some of these guys' strengths to make sure that they don't get put in positions where they're going to perform poorly. It's okay to say this guy is not good at something. Mike and I are not very good at eating vegetables. It's just a fact. We're not going to be in a vegetable-eating contest because we're going to do poorly. I'll tell you that right now. Put guys in positions to do well at what they are good at, and don't just say, all right, because you're a safety – I'm gonna. This is what I need you to do. Well, what if this safety is not as good as this other safety? You know, you've got to look at guys' strengths and weaknesses and adjust to that. It just doesn't seem like they're doing that, Mike, at all. Yeah, and I found the tweet. It says from J.P. Finley, Rivera adamantly says there won't be a change in defensive game planning. That's the exact quote that he said, <laughs> okay. which is funny because that's what I just. That's what I. I kind of basically just said it earlier, yeah, but yeah. I, I. I was determined to find it. No, I want to uh, know the exact <laughs> quote. Yeah. So. That's my problem is exactly what you just said right there is what I feel like coaches don't want to do. Now, you look back and you can say, okay, we did it with RG3 back in 2012. We catered to his strengths. You know, usually when it comes to – that's why they call it a sophomore slump because everyone has tape on you now. But RG3 got hurt, so we don't really know. It's kind of like a what-if situation. What if he didn't get hurt? Would he be the the same? Whatever. But at the same time – the Shanahan's catered to his strengths. They catered to his athletic ability. You know, he's, he was on the fringe of being an Olympic hurdler. You know, he had that speed. Everyone saw it. But the thing about it is, is on defense, like you said, I feel like they're always so set in their ways, and not just this team, a lot of different teams, they're always so set in their ways to the point where it's like, Landon Collins, 
like I said on the postgame show, has always been known as a run stuffer. Why do we have him trying to cover wide receivers yeah. deep ball and, and, and deep in the field? He's covering some of the best and fastest receivers on the other teams. You know, that's, that's my point. And it's like, why can't we figure out some type of game plan or bring the second, bring the whole entire defense together and somehow go and say, all right, we're gonna do we're we're gonna do something different. We're gonna have a single high safety, but then we're gonna throw another corner in there. We're gonna go from the nickel or we'll go from the dime or something like that, yeah. and we'll have Landon Collins act as a linebacker or even maybe switch his position. Like we heard oh, in the preseason. What? <laughs> Whoa! In my mind. Man, man, yeah, it's like maybe we heard that once or I don't twice. Know if in the Jack preseason. Del Rio and Ron Rivera even know that's an option. Yeah, apparently not. Position you can put them in different spots. L- literally, I heard that in the preseason. They said, "Oh, Landon Collins, they might be switching him to linebacker because he's a good run stop- stopper and he knows how to tackle and stuff like that." Okay. Oh well, no, we're just going to keep him at safety, and then he's going to get burned for a seventy-five yard touchdown. It, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. Like you have to switch something up because, like, like we just said, and I'm going to keep on saying. You have murderous row coming in. You have two Hall of Fame, or one is gonna gonna be a Hall of Famer. Then Aaron Rodgers has pretty much already penciled his name in there. And you also got Tom Brady four weeks from now. So yeah. it's like, or five weeks because they had the bye week in between. At the same time, you, I mean, we're not that good at bye week. So even if we go into a bye week and we pre- we prep for the, the the best team in the world, I mean, obviously it's the still Bucks not right gonna now, go well. It's, say, it's not gonna go well. If you're a betting well. man, I would definitely bet against the Washington Football Team coming out of the bye week. Yeah, it's just it just doesn't make any sense how we don't change the game plan. We're so adamant on not changing the game plan when people like the Falcons are scoring thirty points on us again. The Falcons Yikes. don't have you know the Falcons don't have you know uh, uh, Mike Evans, you know Antonio this Brown. This isn't the Super Bowl and, and, Falcons anymore. It's not the Super exactly. Bowl Falcons at this point. You know, and, 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 it's and embarrassing. That's the, that's the Falcons that, and Saints back to back weeks, uh, letting up that amount of points. Jameis Winston. And the Saints, with a without Michael Thomas and without some of their studs, giving up all that points to the Falcons, letting Cordero Patterson basically run all over you all game yep, long. Yeah, it's 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 a it's bad. It's bad. And there's there is time to course correct. We are only five games into a seventeen game season. We're not even halfway through, but the signs are there that this coaching staff. The decision making is not. Uh, as a fan, we don't have confidence in the staff that much right now. I I, w- I would say. I mean, right. You want to trust in Ron. You want to trust in Del Rio. You know, you you want to trust these guys. But I'd put what what percentage would you put uh, on as far as like if you were polling the fan base? How what how what percentage do you feel like uh, are, are people that trust this coaching staff? <laughs> I mean, I, I always not. I, I don't like to put the panic button too early and say like that's why I said on the post game show as well. So again, if you want to go download the post game show, go on the contender and uh, download that. Uh, so some of my thoughts on there were, I, I don't like putting someone out on the street, so so to speak. Sure. Uh, after a few different games that have been bad or something like that, because everyone has bad streaks. Everyone, them having three bad weeks is like us having you know a bad couple days at work or something like that. Just, just when you look at it, I, the percentage of fans I think that have lost trust in this season, I would probably say a quarter, uh, at, le- at least sure. a quarter. Sure. I wouldn't say because now everyone says Washington is like uh, like a like a uh, what do they what do they call it like a some type of city with all the fans that just come out from all the I forgot what the the name of it is. Um, yeah. 
You mean but like a like a bandwagon town or something? Or? It's not really a band. It's 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 like where you know uh, front runner town. That's what they okay. that's what they yeah. call it, the front runner right. town. Fair weather, fair weather yeah. bands, yeah. stuff like that. So it's it's they, they have to be winning for people. The problem is this team is different. This team yeah. is the favorite among all the major sports yeah. in this area. Now, yes, we have lost some fans uh, to the Panthers when the Panthers got got in because there's a lot of North Carolina people that like this team, and also when the Ravens came in, but. This team has also been in people's families for decades. I mean, I, when I mean decades, I mean in like sixties, fifties, uh, and that's and that's the thing is, you see this these fans and they're always diehard. You know, there's not that. It's rarely the fan that says like, "Oh, I'm gonna stop watching this team because it's a terrible product." You know, sure. There's always sure. those diehards. So I think only a quarter, twenty five percent, is solid to say that because it's still early in the season. This division is never that great. You never know what's going to happen with the Dallas Cowboys. They don't have still the best in second place right now. In second <laughs> so. place. Uh, they don't. They don't have the best depth. So you never know. Maybe an injury or two. Again, not trying to you know you know have injuries happen and, and, and be happy about it. Uh, but you never know what's going to happen. Uh, so you, know, you saw last year when Dak went down, they imploded. Uh, right. But just 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 going to see this team uh, and and how they're performing and how. They're kind of defending what they're doing, as in that quote from Ron Rivera. I, I just, I just don't. I mean, I just think it's starting to poke the bear a little bit. I yeah, think it's you're, troubling. You're poking, you're poking the, the the fan base, and the fan base is not happy. I'm not happy. I'm still going to watch this team week in and week out, uh, and I'm not going to bet on them the rest of the season uh, like I did this <laughs> past weekend. Um, but uh, it's just unfortunate, and I, I just, I just feel. It feels deflating, to be honest right. with you, because like I said, you look at the schedule coming up, and the the, the spreads are going to be gets ugly. quite quite large. Just it like gets ugly. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be Fat Albert out there, you know, with yeah. the, with the spread. The spread is really going to be large. Starting with this Sunday in the Chiefs game, uh, yeah, it's it's going to get interesting, and we'll keep an eye on it. And of course, we'll do as we do, continue talking about <laughs> do this as we team. do. <laughs> we'll uh, move away from football for a bit and actually talk a little baseball. The Washington Nationals. So, obviously, the Nats season has been done now for a couple weeks, but we wanted to just do a brief little season recap as far as covering. There's five big topics, I would say, from this season, and I want us to to give our thoughts on them because, uh, we, obviously, we've been talking so much football lately. We haven't really had a chance to spend some time on this Nats and kind of uh, – you know, digest our feelings on this team because they were so out of it uh, in August and, and September. And uh, I'm sure a lot of fans tuned out the, the last couple months of the season. Um, and uh, But we wanted to kind of go over some, some big topics from the season and, and discuss. We got five that we'll cover here. Um, the first one being uh, the, the, the combo of Juan Soto and Josh Bell, which is really the power anchors on in this lineup and and these are obviously the big boppers um and uh i would say one of the few bright spots on this team a team that went uh what was it 65 and 97 and finished in last place in the division were those middle of the lineup guys in bell and soto that put together pretty strong seasons I mean, obviously soto put together a very very strong season almost a a uh, 100 ops hit 29 bombs 95 RBI batted 313, just narrowly lost the batting title to Trey Turner, um, and uh, had a great on base percentage and slugging and all that. But Josh Bell, we got to give him some props after his really, really slow start. I feel like his first month or so were, was atrocious. Uh, he ended up finishing the season 261, 
27 bombs, 88 RBI, and 823 OPS. Mike, in this lineup, these were really the only two guys. Once Schwarber left and Trey left and, and the whole team left, you had two guys that uh, you could still depend on for some pop, and uh, they put together two really great years. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing about Josh Bell, as you said, as I start with him, uh, is that he turned it on. Probably, I would yeah. say, maybe a third into the season. The first third was not so pretty. We were on this show sitting here and just trashing Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber saying, who's going to start hitting? And, of course, like I said before multiple times, Kyle Schwarber started everybody and, and got everybody on a roll. He was the one who had that, I think it was like 17 home runs in yeah, 18 games. Yeah, that magic run whatever. heading into the All-Star break. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was unbelievable. And I think, again, I think that is what propelled Josh Bell into getting in, into form. Um, because sometimes, you know, and people don't really think about this, different ballparks suit different batters. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, for instance, uh, you know, Fenway Park. Okay, uh, if you're if you're a lefty, sometimes it's easier to hit bombs there because the fence is a little bit shorter and so on and so forth. Right. And, and I mean, you saw Giancarlo Stanton. They always were saying, you know, he hit two bombs and basically they hit off the green monster. You know, yeah. any other park, it would have been gone. So you're 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 looking at certain ballparks. So Josh Bell comes over here, and I'm not saying that Nats Park is terrible for him or anything like that. But you have to get used to where you're playing and everything like that. And I think Kyle Schwarber is the one who kind of alleviated that pressure off of Josh Bell once he started playing really well. Then all of a sudden, once Kyle Schwarber went went away uh, to the to the Red Sox, then all of a sudden Josh Bell started kind of kicking it in gear, and he got on a nice little roll. Um, and looking at his stats, as you mentioned before, I mean, I always look at on-base percentage. That's my favorite stat. I mean, as long as you're getting on base, it's kind of the money ball situation. Okay, that's why they got uh, uh, Chris Pratt uh, because uh, Scott Hatterberg he got on base a lot, um, and <laughs> that's the funny thing. Uh, but I just like on base percentage because on base percentage shows how much you're getting on base with uh, with walks, with uh, with hits, and so on and so forth. And you're looking at it as him having almost about 35 percent on base percentage. That's I think that's above league average. Now I'm not exactly sure what league average is, but looking at him, I think for a power hitter like his stature uh, that is kind of uh, Adam Dunn-esque kind of thing, uh, even though Adam Dunn was usually go homer or go broke. Um, I think that, you know, looking at 35% on base percentage is pretty solid. I think that is, honestly, I think that's exactly what you want from a a cleanup hitter. Um, Not to mention he had his 27 bombs, and like I said before, he did have a slow start. Uh, He only played 144 games, so there is some uh, leeway in there where he did get some time off in certain uh, aspects and whatnot. Um, But uh, I just think that Josh Bell had a a great last, like, 65% of the season uh, where he really turned it on. And if he comes in here with these younger guys, maybe they kind of give him that energy uh, and that spark, um, you know, that some of the older guys kind of didn't when uh, they were on the team uh, before they got traded and different things like that. But moving on to Juan Soto uh, really quickly, there's not not really much to say about him. Um, He's one of the best players in the entire planet. Uh, you know, 313 average. And you're looking at him, you know, we were talking about him for a while as well on this show where he was batting like 270 for a while. And we were just like, is this guy going to start going? And, you know, people on different networks were saying different things. And uh, every, the, the criticism was out for him. And he ends up coming in and having a pretty damn good season. I mean, obviously oh, all the uh, – Tremendous season. I mean, all the, all, the, all, the, all the stats are pretty good. With I mean, or the excuse me, not the stats. The, the uh, percentages are great. But when you look at 29 home runs and 95, 
25 RBIs. Once again, that kind of goes back uh, to, uh, like, I'm going to bring Adam Dunn in it again because I used to always go back to when Ryan Zimmerman was hitting third, Adam Dunn was hitting fourth, and Adam Dunn was hitting solo bombs all the time because Ryan Zimmerman. And, I, like, you know my, my opinion of yeah. Ryan Zimmerman. I'm not going to keep going into that. But <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman would end a lot of innings and double plays and stuff like that. So when Adam Dunn was up there, he'd get solo shots, and he had, I believe, like 35 home runs one time and, like, 96 RBIs. When you don't have that many RBIs, when you have triple-digit RBIs and you're, you're pretty much 30 home runs and above, that means no one's getting on in front of you. And that's why we saw Juan Soto, and especially this team in general, falter uh, a lot the last two months of the season, uh, losing leads and everything like that because if he got a home run or got an extra base hit or whatever it may be, you know, one was on base. So that's why he didn't get a lot of RBIs. But just looking at both these guys, uh, you mentioned it perfectly. I think they are going to be leaned on very, very heavily next season. Um, but both had a really rough start, but they ended up finishing very, very well. Yeah, I mean, these are going to be the anchors of the lineup for next year as well because we do have one more year of Josh Bell. And, um, you know, if he stays healthy and Juan Soto stays healthy, those are guys that you want to build around in that lineup for next season. You want to find some other pieces if you can uh, and put around those guys because if they put together similar seasons to what they did last year or this 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 previous season, uh, they're I mean, they're doing their part. Uh, yeah, and yeah. so you got to you got to respect that. Uh, next topic, as far as some players we said goodbye to this season, there were quite a quite a few. Of course, the big fire sale, uh, the biggest names: Trey Turner, Max Scherzer. Uh, but you did have some others leave. Of course, Josh Harrison, Kyle Schwarber, Jan Gomes, John Lester, Brad Hand, Daniel Hudson, uh, reliever Justin Miller even was was traded at one point. Um, so. If you're watching the playoffs, of course, you're seeing Trey Turner and Max Scherzer play for the Dodgers competing against the Giants uh, here in the postseason. And uh, I like to see those guys out there. I like to root for those guys. I don't root for the Dodgers, but I root for Max and I root for Trey. Um, But this was a very different uh, thing for this fan base. I mean, as a Nats fan, since their existence... There's never been a fire sale to this magnitude uh, from this team. I mean, we're talking about two. Well, Max Scherzer, of course, a Hall of Famer, and Trey Turner could be one day if he continues on his track. I'm not going to call him a Hall of Famer now, but I think he's one of the best players in Major League Baseball. Uh, so sending those two guys away and trying to replenish the farm system, this is just something this team has never done. So this was a, a jarring move for this fan base. Uh, and even sending smaller pieces like Jan Gomes out there and Kyle Schwarber, or, and, and, uh, who's only around for half a season or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Hudson, who was part of the World Series team. I mean, there was definitely some some sadness in this fan base of losing some guys that had been around and gotten to see the, who won a World Series here. Um, so this was a big moment in this season. And looking back at it now, uh, I, we said it on the show that this was the right move. I would continue to say that this was probably the right move for this team. Is that still your feeling as well? Yeah, I mean, if you look back at the last few seasons that we've had, Dating back, and I'm not going to be counting the COVID season with only 60 games. I, I kind of right, just, right. I kind of just washed that. Uh, dating back all the way until 2011 was the last season that we had a under 500 record. Right. So when you're when you're looking at it, the closest I think we had was 82 and 80 uh, before that. Uh, so when you're looking at it, that's just what's funny about it is because people still see. The fire sale as, oh, it's a terrible thing to do. It's a terrible thing to do. I mean, that's the problem is that because this team sustained so much success from 2012 all the way until the World Series year uh, of 2019, that's seven years 
right there. That was five playoff appearances, and I guess maybe not seven years. Is that, is that eight years? I guess um, it might right. be eight years. I believe, uh, but five postseason uh, appearances in eight years. I mean, we had some pretty good success. It was a great in there. run. It was obvious, a great run. I mean, I obvious, think a lot of teams would take that. Right, and I mean, yeah. Look at the Rockies; they would love to take that. Look at the look at the the, <laughs> the Mariners. The Mariners haven't been in the postseason in in, in 60, 60 years. Uh, yeah. It feels like from what they whatever whatever stat that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that that's the thing is that literally you're looking at this team and you're looking at attendance things. I'm just looking at a lot of stats right now for the last uh, you know uh, handful of years, ten years or so. Okay, in 2011, we finished third out of out of out of five teams, and we had an 80 and 81 record. After that, the very next season, we finished first, and this was Davey Johnson's first season, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, full season, I should say, after Riggleman, 98 and 64. So we improved by 18 wins, and then all of a sudden, we didn't get lower than 82 wins in that in that span. And obviously, some of those years, uh, we had injuries and so on and so forth. But you're looking at all the success that we had. And now you're looking at the attendance when it comes down to this year where we had the fire sale and then compared to, say, 2019 with the World Series, the average attendance went way down. There's almost an 800,000-person attendance drop from 2019 to 2021. (laughs) And that's a huge number. 800,000 people didn't go to the games because they had all these players that we're going to get to here in a second. And that's the biggest thing is when you're looking at this team – the, the fire sale was needed. Every team has these type of things. Obviously, you're looking at the Yankees, the Red Sox, and some of these other teams, the Dodgers out there that have you know, uh, you know, know, all-star teams out there, but they're not winning every single season. I mean, I still discount, like I said, I still discount the COVID year because you don't really – okay, you go into a postseason or whatever, not a lot of injuries, not a lot of wear and tear on the guys, so it doesn't really count in my opinion. They did win last year. I'll give them that. But you don't see the Dodgers and the Yankees winning every single year, even though they're spending so much money. The oh, Oakland yeah. Athletics have zero payroll. That's a whole entire Moneyball situation. They got zero payroll half the time, and they're—I mean—the last ten years they've been in the postseason a decent amount. So you're looking at it. Every team has a fire sale year. This is our year, and you're going to see probably the next year or two, uh, maybe hopefully before we sign Juan Soto, might be a development year where we're going to start to know some of these guys are going to have a full season under their belt in the starting lineup and so on and so forth. But I'm just looking at it right now and saying. This team needed this situation to happen. We needed a fire sale. 100%. And, 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 and you know what? Some of the people out there, the, the, the diehards that want to stick with this team, that want to know these players, we welcome you back into the fold here. But the people that are just sitting there saying, you know, that, that Mike Rizzo is an idiot and I cannot believe we gave up Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, they don't know baseball. They're the casual people <laughs> that, that, that buy the first jersey they see on the rack because they came from their, their meeting in a business or something like that. They're wearing a suit. And they're like, i got to get a jersey so I fit in. Like, I don't like those people. Those people just, like, piss me off because those are the ones you call bandwagoners. But the whole entire fact that this team had to have a fire sale at some point, I think this was the perfect time to do it because you've got a young superstar that is still like 15 years old, and that's the biggest thing is Juan Soto is going to lead you to the promised land, but that's our first go-to is getting this fire sale done, and then the second one that's most important is signing Juan Soto for the future. Yeah, for Nats fans, we just got to be patient. You got to be patient, uh, and and – Baseball's kind of a is obviously a weird sport sometimes where you've got a team like the Giants winning a division that everybody thought the Padres or the Dodgers would win. You you know, you've got a team like the Mets that spent a lot of money to bring in some big bats and big names and they didn't even make the playoffs. I mean, you you see the Yankees first round exit uh to a team that is like the fifth lowest payroll in Major League Baseball in the Tampa Bay Rays. So anything can happen. 
I think the Nats will always be in possible contention in this division because this division's so wacky sometimes. But yeah, I, I would go in with low expectations for the next couple of years. And if they exceed them, great. If not, you can still have fun watching some of these other players play. So while we said goodbye to those guys, we said hello to some new faces. Uh, obviously, uh, Josiah Gray was one of the biggest acquisitions uh, in the Dodgers trade who you know, was fine. Uh, thir- had 13 starts on the year. He, 548 ERA. He had a couple. He was kind of up and down at times. He's still pretty young, uh, but did put 76 Ks across uh, on the season in a 1.36 whip. Uh, so, you know, Josiah Gray, he's going to come along and be a part of this rotation for the next few years. Uh, you bring in Alcides Escobar, not a young guy uh, from the World Series Royals team. You bring him in, and he played pretty well. 288 average in 75 games, 28 RBI. I believe they're bringing him back for next year. Uh, some of the other young guys, Riley Adams, 222 average, 358 on base in 99 at-bats, hit a couple bombs. Kiebert Ruiz, who is another one of the main stars from some of these trades, uh, did pretty well. Uh, th- three bombs and 88 at-bats, 15 RBI, 273 average. Some other guys, Mason Thompson was a reliever, played a uh, pitch 27 games. He was brought in on those trades. Lane Thomas, a little bit of speed there, uh, played pretty well. And then you have some guys that are still in the minors that were brought over in these trades. you got Drew Milas, uh, the catcher. You've got uh, Seth Schumann, some of these other guys. So there are a lot of new faces in this organization that uh, Nats fans are getting used to still. At this point, I'd say guys like Josiah Gray and uh, Keeper Ruiz are, are a couple guys that I think you can really plant your flag behind and really root for and and, and hope that they pan out. But it's, this is what it is. This is what this team's going to be. I don't expect them to go make some giant splash in the offseason and try to go after like Carlos Correa or one of these other guys. I think this is going to be what the organization's going to look like for the next couple of years. It's going to be yep. these young prospects, and we're going to talk about some more prospects uh, with our next topic in a sec. But, um, you know, it's going to be prospe- a mix of prospects and veterans and, and then guys like Juan Soto and Josh Bell. That's just the reality of this team for the future right now. Right, and that's the biggest thing is that people don't understand, uh, you know, and some people do. I'm not saying every Nats fan out there is so, you know, bad looking right now to the point where they don't understand where this team is at. But this is what the team is going to look like, like you said, for the next year or two. Now, why wouldn't they go after Carlos Correa? I mean, I would think that they want to save some money for Juan Soto. Carlos Correa is going to try to be, you know, one of the highest paid shortstops in the league. But when you look at it, we obviously need a shortstop, but you never know. You never know what, what's what's going to happen. I mean, shortstop I mean, class is pretty deep. I mean, Marcus yeah, Simeon's going to be a free agent. Carlos Correa is a free agent. Jock Peterson, or not Jock Peterson, sorry, uh, one of the Dodgers guys. He's he's going to be Seager? A, a free agent. No, yeah, yeah, Seager. Yeah, 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 Seager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seager's going to be a free agent. So you're going to have you're gonna, there. There are some shorts. I don't know if the Nats are going to go after any of them, but I'm I, just saying, I just like, say, you know. Yeah, I, no, I'm saying I know exactly what you're saying is that we don't we don't need it right now because we got all these young guys. Why would you try to go get a superstar when we already have a superstar that we, that we don't have paid yet? That's the biggest thing is he needs the money, and that's why we need to pay him. And obviously, I don't want to sit here and just go back and forth like, well, we really need to pay Juan Soto, you know, like all these other radio shows are doing. It's like we understand that, like yeah. we know that. It's it, we won't know until it actually happens. Now, I I, I hear some radio shows out there that are sitting there saying. Well, they got to get it done by this time. I mean, if, if they don't get it done, then I guess we're just not going to be fans anymore. So I was like, okay, well, Rizzo is <laughs> has his hands tied. He's the general manager, the president of baseball ops, all that kind of stuff. He's not the owner. 
That's the problem. You don't think Juan Soto and, and Mike Rizzo have a good relationship because he's the one who discovered him and brought him over? Not to mention that he also discovered Ronald Acuna but ended up having just Juan Soto come on the team. The The, the difference is is that these armchair quarterbacks type, type players that are the people that I keep talking about, uh, including myself sometimes. I think I'm right a lot of the time, though. Um, but <laughs> the, the, the difference is is that when you're looking at these people that keep saying that, you know, Mike Rizzo needs to be fired because he's not signed, the learners are the issue. Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and keep blabbing about this because it's, it's common sense. We need to sign Juan Soto. Juan Soto is one of the top five players on the planet. You need to sign Juan Soto. That's just it. Yeah, simple okay? as that. I mean, it doesn't matter who his agent is. Obviously, everyone knows Scott Boris. Scott Boris has done plenty of deals on Mike Rizzo. Okay, That will happen when it comes. If we don't sign Juan Soto, we're pretty much effed for now. Uh, yeah, but that, yeah. that's just how it is. Uh, say, you know, but, we saw Harper, Harper walk. We saw Rendon walk. If Juan Soto walks, it will be probably the biggest crime in Nationals history. Like, that yeah, will be it, the it, biggest it, mistake. I don't know what's going to happen with the uh, fan base yeah. after that. But th- like I said, we don't need to get into that right now. But looking sure. at like some of these guys that, like you said, we said hello to, Josiah Gray, I mean, I think you might say Ruiz is the one you're looking forward to the most. Sure. Josiah Gray, I love pitchers. And Josiah Gray is, I mean, I just saw a lot of great things from him. And, yes, he did have a few bad starts, and people were saying, like, you know, he's up and down. I don't think he's that great and all that kind of stuff. I did hear on the radio that he wasn't that great, which I don't think he wasn't that great. I think he's just a young guy that's out yeah, there playing for, a, playing for a team that had, you know, Juan <laughs> Soto and Josh Bell and these other people, uh, you know, these random people out there. And it's like – let the guy have have a full season before you start judging him and stuff like that. Everyone's judging him because of who we gave up to get him and That's also exactly some other right. guys. That's the problem. They, you gave up Max Scherzer, who everyone calls a bulldog and a competitor and all this kind of stuff. Sweet. We already knew that. He was on our team for many years. But Josiah Gray is like half his age. <laughs> like It's like, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. He's like half his age. And he still went out there. And I already said he had the home run bug a little bit where he was giving up a few home runs here and there. Uh, and those were ma- the main runs that he was giving up. Uh, but you know who else does that? Steven Strasburg. And Steven Strasburg, yes, he's injured, but he did win us a World Series. He was a World Series MVP. People don't understand that he gives up a lot of home runs too. So does Max. So does Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller. All these guys give up home runs. It's not like, you know, oh, he's he gave up two home runs. Oh, this guy sucks. But that's the problem is that people are irrational when your team's losing. When your team's losing, they'll find every single thing to nitpick. When your team's winning, they're going to say, ah, he's all right. He'll, he'll get back at it. That's the problem with people and who, who are just bandwagoners because when they see the team failing, they jump off the bandwagon and they go and start being a Dodgers fan. When they, when they see the team winning, they're like, hey, I'm going to put my Nats jersey back on. That's what <laughs> we first saw it. I think we first saw the heaviest amount of that with the caps when Ovi was uh, was picked. They changed the colors of the uniforms, everything like that. And I remember I was in like middle school or something like that. And all of a sudden, I saw these girls that had zero idea. And I'm not trying to single out girls. So that's all guys do it too. Sure. Literally, they were wearing caps jerseys, and, and like they couldn't name they couldn't name the head coach. <laughs> they couldn't even. Yeah. They don't even know what the logo was. Like it right, was like right. they, they were wearing. That's the thing is like it's, this. This town sucks for bandwagon people. But when someone, it, it kind of irks me when someone says this guy sucks. When you, people like us who know sports for the most part. We know what he has, and we've seen it. We just need him to get a little bit more time yeah, to actually be along. on this team. He'll come along. I mean, you got to let him grow and develop a bit. Uh, he'd only started in one other major league game, I think, before he got to the Nats. For, he started for the Dodgers. So, yeah, he, he's going to need some time. Uh, speaking of other prospects, we'll run through these real quick as far as I've got four guys that uh, could be on the way 
2022 that we could see. Uh, obviously, the number one prospect being Cade Cavalli, 23-year-old pitcher, uh, had great stats in high A and double A. Triple A, he struggled a bit, which sometimes happens because in triple A, you're dealing with not only minor league hitters, but a lot of major league hitters that are just down in triple A because either there's not a roster spot for them or they're needing to work on some things. Rehab so, starts, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there was some expected regression a little bit there in triple A. Uh, he did get some some of the strikeout numbers going still as well. I'm not really worried about the ERA and the opponent's batting average at that point. I think he'll be able to figure that out. He will not start the season likely. Likely, he won't start the season on the big club. Um, I mean, if he pitches a fantastic spring training, then there's a chance. But I would say we're probably going to see him in Rochester to start the year, and then hopefully get brought up at some point during the season, along with Jackson Rutledge, number three prospect, 22 year old pitcher. Now his journey might take a little longer. He's still estimated. At least MLB.com has him as an ETA of 2022. So we could see Rutledge. My guess would be we'd see Cavalli before we see Rutledge because Rutledge hasn't even pitched yet in AAA or anything like that. Uh, he's been in the F, uh, Florida Gulf Coast League at Fredericksburg and Wilmington. His stats, not as great this past season. I would say not 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 the best year for Jackson Rutledge, but another young guy. He's still growing. Yasel Antuna is a guy who uh, I've actually kept an eye on for, for a little while now. 21-year-old shortstop third base. Had a good season in Wilmington, 277 average, uh, 307 on base, 12 home runs. The strikeout numbers were a little high, but this is a guy that started out the year like 0 for 25, so he was <laughs> able to turn around his season a bit. Uh, he's a possible 2022-2023 type guy, number 8 prospect. And then uh, number 18 prospect, Donovan Casey, who was acquired in that Dodgers trade. 25-year-old outfielder. Uh, not the best numbers in Rochester. Uh, decent OPS, a little below league average. But another guy that we could possibly see brought up on this team, uh, I guess I would I would say, you know, you're you're I would assume your eye is most on Cade Cavalli uh, being on this team uh, next year. I, I would probably guess, just like everybody else. Yeah, I mean, when they actually drafted Jackson Rutledge, I always thought that I, I, when I looked at him and I when I saw his delivery, when I saw the stuff he kind of has, I never really saw him as a starter. I always saw him as like an Andrew Miller type guy. Now, sure. Andrew Miller is, you know, he's old now, but you're looking at Jackson Rutledge and he's a big dude. I mean, he's a big, big dude. I, I always see him coming in there and being like a Daniel Hudson setup guy uh, sure. or maybe even tr changing into a closer or something of that nature. Now, I always think that we even talked about it with the Washington football team segment segment that you can change positions. Now I'm not telling him to go play a second base. I'm saying like change your pitching style so to make to make you into a reliever. My dad asked me one time years ago. Uh, he's like, which position, which pitcher position lasts the longest, has the longest career? And everyone always says, hmm, I, I'm probably a starter or something like that. No, I said closer. But the problem is, it's a reliever because relievers. You know they get the they get the most you know leash because there's so many of them. Sometimes you can't pitch for three days and you just sit you just sit on the bench just hanging out until they call your number. So I think that Jackson Rutledge, you know, you never know what he's gonna do when he gets up to Double A and then Rochester and so on and so forth. Uh, but he's still 22. And let's be honest here, we drafted him like like a, a month ago. Uh, it feels like um, when I was watching the draft that one time. But uh, yeah, I, I still think you got to give him time. But Kay Cavalli, I'm very interested to see what he can do. Now, when you're looking at uh, this team's depth chart with the pitchers, I mean, you're going to have Strasburg back, hopefully. Uh, you never know. Any, I mean, at this, at this point, you never know with him. Uh, you have Patrick Corbin back. Josiah Gray will be there. So that's top three right there will be most likely Strasburg, Corbin, Gray. 
And then, uh, like you said before, who knows if Eric Fetty is going to still be around. Uh, it seems like that guy has nine lives uh, in, in this <laughs> league. Um, but uh, at the same time, you're looking at uh, this roster. And say if Eric Fetty is still there, uh, he might be the fourth pitcher to start. And then they might have uh, another pitcher that they might get off the cheap, kind of like a John Lester or something like that, uh, that they have as a fifth starter. Um, but I think Kay Cavalli, I don't think you start him. I think you actually bring him up for spring training, you know, let him get more acclimated with the boys in the clubhouse and so on and so forth. Uh, but let him start in AAA, try to improve those stats a little bit, maybe bring him up. And, and again, it's not a rush. It's not like we're competing for a World Series next year. Everyone, you know, everyone's going to do that stupid, like, go 1-0, you know, boom, you know, all that, all that stupid, you know, highlights that they always uh, play on there when we're 30 games below 500. Um, but at the same time, you need to go out there and and be smart with these prospects. You know, don't you know shatter their confidence. Even though we know Cade Cavalli has an attitude, uh, you know, and he has that fighting spirit. Um, but I think that you need to have him start in the minors, improve those stats in AAA Rochester for just a little bit, and then maybe bring him up, uh, you know, mid spring or something like that, and see see what he can do late, maybe May or something like that. So we don't have time to get into the disappointments uh, from this season, but. I, I th- the four main ones I have is Strasburg, uh, obviously not only had five starts in 2021, only had two starts in 2020. Uh, it's very disappointing to not have seen him really pitch well since 2019. Patrick Corbin, a really bad year for him. Uh, Eric Fetty, our, our, our favorite pitcher, of course, on this program. And then Victor Robles, who really took a, a big step back this year. Uh, batting average was around 200. They sent him down to, to the minors. Uh, uh, who knows what the future is with him. Uh, so we'll move on uh, and, and wrap up the show here. we got the NFC East roundup. Of course, the Cowboys beating the Giants 44-20 and improved to 4-1. and This was a Tough game for the Giants fans because you had Saquon go out, uh, you had Galladay go out, and you had Daniel Jones go out in this one. Uh, Dak was able to get three touchdowns. Our, our old pal Mike Lennon was able to fill in for uh, in the Giants, uh, which is a local local product, Mike Lennon. Uh, you had Dak, uh, like I said, play well. Zeke played well. Uh, C.D. Lamb played well. Uh, the Cowboys get the win there. The Eagles beat the Panthers. I think the Panthers were favored in this game. Eagles yep. able to get the win, 21-18. Uh, Jalen Hurts didn't pass for any touchdowns, but he did rush for two. Uh, Devonta Smith played well, seven catches for 77 yards. And my old pal, Darius Slay, right. two picks. Uh, so Eagles improved to two and three. Giants fall to one and four. Cowboys improved to four and one. The clear favorites for this division right now. In college football, Maryland loses big to Ohio State. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't think they would play well, and uh, they didn't. 66-17. <laughs> Tough loss for Virginia Tech, 32-29. I'm sure you weren't too happy about that one. I mean, you're going against a tough team in Notre Dame, but it's in Blacksburg. Eight-point lead with four minutes to go. Yeah, a little tough there. Uh, Marshall beats ODU 20-13. UVA squeaks one out against Louisville 34-33. And Liberty beats Middle Tennessee 41-13. On the forecast for this week, of course, nothing for the Nats. Uh, Washington football team will be playing Sunday against the 2-3 and three Chiefs at games 1 o'clock. Right now, the early line, Chiefs favored by 6.5 right now. We'll see how that line grows uh, throughout the week. The Caps season opener on Wednesday against the Rangers, 7.30 p.m. on TNT. They'll follow that up with a Saturday game against Tampa Bay. So we'll be talking Caps hockey next oh, yeah. episode. That's Man, it. it feels like we were just talking playoffs. It's <laughs> right. crazy. Uh, and then here in the local college scene, Duke at UVA, uh, the 4-2 and two Who's. 
Uh, you got Western Kentucky taking on ODU in the battle of the one-win teams. Uh, you got Pittsburgh. I mean, Virginia Tech, the schedule's just not getting easy right now. Nope. Get Notre Dame come to come to play. Now you got the 4-1 and one Pittsburgh uh, heading to uh, Virginia Tech. That's going to be a huge game in Blacksburg. Uh, and then you got Liberty 5-1. and one. Liberty going against UL Monroe. Let's hit up the final lap, Michael. Talk a little bit about some other things non-DC related. We're sticking with college football and Major League Baseball. Uh, Texas A&M stunning Alabama and cementing my opinion that Georgia is the best football team, uh, the best team in college football. 100% agree. Georgia's defense is immaculate, and I just think that Texas A&M, you know, Jimbo Fisher, he had to he had to back up his 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 words, and he did. Iowa beats Penn State. This was a battle of, what, four versus three, I think, in that one. Uh, and it didn't disappoint. Close game. And Iowa, best team in the Big Ten. Best team in the Big Ten, for sure. Well, uh, obviously, the whole entire Maryland game wasn't a fluke, apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently not. Uh, oh, my favorite game from the weekend. Right, right. Ole Miss, Arkansas, Lane Kiffin, Sam Pittman. This was a shootout. Uh, I mean, again, I'm telling you, I love, I love uh, Jefferson, the quarterback for Arkansas. I mean, he's right. he is my favorite dude. The guy is huge. He's, <laughs> he's he in the pocket. He just stands there yep. calmly until he finds a guy, open guy, and then he passes. Like he's not moving around, doing all this crazy stuff. He'll stand there, cool, calm, collected, and then Statue. hit his target. And then maybe he wants to run it. Okay, I'm gonna go stiff arm a couple guys. I'm gonna make a couple moves. I loved this game, but Matt Corral and Ole Miss got the win in this one. I hate Lane Kiffin so much. When I saw Arkansas <laughs> going for two, I said, hell yeah, baby. And uh, then they didn't get it. <laughs> I know. It was the right move. KJ Jefferson and, and Arkansas was the right move. They just didn't get it. And then uh, your MLB postseason update, Mike. So we got uh, in the ALDS, of course, Boston now leading 2-1 in that series. They'll play game four just in a couple hours. So those listening may already know the result at this point. Uh, but I'm hoping Tampa can tie this up and force a game five, which would be fun. Uh, in the NLDS, you've got Giants and Dodgers. Best series, uh, I would say, best matchup of the playoffs is those two teams squaring off. That series is tied 1-1. They'll play game three tonight. Uh, Atlanta leads Milwaukee in their series two games to one after a 3 nothing win today. And then you have Chicago, the White Sox holding on. They were down 2-0. They're facing elimination. They got the dub. They'll play uh, their next game, uh, game four, tomorrow, Tuesday at 2.07 p.m. I know what I'll be doing while I'm working as <laughs> Houston leads that series 2-1. Uh, I know you haven't been able to watch a ton of baseball recently, but uh, any any of those games, any of those series stick out to you as something you're particularly interested in? Well, I hate the Astros just like as everybody sure. else does, so I would love to see the White Sox end up uh, beating them and coming back from 2 nothing yeah. down. I think the game got postponed today. Maybe right, it was supposed to happen today and then, yeah, the rain. So it'll be, it'll be tomorrow, a full, another full slate tomorrow of games. Yeah, I, did, I didn't get to see a lot of stuff this weekend because I was at a wedding. So I miss a lot of – I missed the Tech game. I miss a lot of the uh, college football games. So I was uh, awoken with a lot of crazy football news. So that was crazy. Yeah, not to mention not to mention the line, the line that we talked about in the postgame show, six right. and a half. I, I thought it was going to be at least double digits, like ten or so, ten and a half. But I think because last night's dru drubbing of the Buffalo Bills on the Kansas City Chief, I think that, that kind of swayed it a little bit. 
Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that line throughout the week. Uh, let's move into, let me get your music ready here. Of course, we got to play buddy. the music if we're talking uh, trivia. Oh, it yeah. is Mike's DC what? trivia question of the week. What play do you got? that piano. Play that piano, baby. <laughs> All right. All right, here we go. Nat's question, baby. Here we go. Okay. Who hit an eighth inning grand slam in game four of the 2017 National League Division Series for Washington against the Chicago Cubs? Who hit an eighth inning grand slam oh. in okay, – okay. Boom. Michael Taylor. <laughs> All right. Michael Taylor. Good thing, uh, we're, was... good, good, good thing we're, we're, we're trying to rush here because you, <laughs> you got it pretty easily. <laughs> Michael Taylor. Boom. I mean, that was – I remember that. Well, first of all, that, that, that series – in that game, I think it was either that game or the the game after, because they went to five, right? They yep. went to they went so it was game five was like the like the craziest game ever, I think, uh, for the Nats pretty much. But it was like the series as a whole was just bananas. But Michael A. Taylor, the guy, would show up in those types of moments, hit that grand slam, and that gave him like a whole nother year on the team. Basically, <laughs> right, just right, that right. one that one performance would be like, all right, we got to keep him around. He's like, hey, he's, he's doing great. He's improving, and then all of a sudden he'd go hit two ten the next season. Uh, I know he. The, there, I've never seen a guy who just showed up for playoff games. That was it. Never right. showed up during the season really, and that, except for it, playoff games. And, and that was the craziest thing uh, in that series is that I believe though it was so windy at least in one or two of the games that like Bryce Harper would hit like a pop up to like shortstop, yeah. and all of a sudden it would go to like the warning track. Oh, it was like, nuts. it was the weirdest. It was thing. nuts. But the Grand Slam, I remember the Grand Slam, and I believe game the next game, game five was yeah a heartbreaker. I think Gio was on the mound for that one, and it went back and forth, and the Cubs were able to get the win, and uh, that one stung a lot. I remember mm-hmm. watching that game and being furious. Yeah. Uh, we got the money line. Sponsored by DraftKings. Another one in one week for myself and a one in one week for Mike. Uh, and so I sit at three and five. Mike sits at five and three. I haven't been able to make up any ground there. I'm hoping to do so here with this week. Of course, I had Rutgers covering against Michigan State last week and they did not do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping. Uh, that uh, my fortunes change here, my lock. I'm sticking with the Michigan State game. I don't know. When I see the lines and I'm Hit looking it. at the odds, there's just some of these odds where I'm like, I feel like i got to take this. Michigan State, four and a half against that's Indiana. really low. It's really, really low. low. <laughs> I had to take it. I mean, that's a lock right there. I think Michigan yeah. State undefeated. I think that continues. Uh, they're just playing. They're balling out right now. Um, so I love that four and a half line against Indiana. And then you got my dog, I'm going Northwestern against Rutgers. I just got to see Rutgers play Michigan State. I, I, while I think they're like Rutgers might be like three and three on the year or something like that, or or two and four, or something along those lines. Um, there's some weaknesses on that team, and they have some injuries. And Northwestern is always kind of tough. They're never gonna like go win a conference or anything like that. But I feel like they always are, are able to play decent. And uh, I'm just gonna say that they're gonna be able to take down Rutgers there. I'm going Northwestern uh, plus two. That's I'm basically saying Northwestern is gonna win because I don't think they're gonna just win by uh, or lose by one point. So right. I'm gonna go Northwestern two points against Rutgers as my dog. All righty. So I will switch it up and I will go straight towards the NFL. Now, first of all, I was a little upset last week. I should have gone two and zero for the third straight week, but uh, Toledo. Ended up getting yeah, their ass, get, 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 I, I was get, watching getting, that. Get, yeah, getting their, somehow they got their butt kicked or whatever destroyed. it was. They were <laughs> they, destroyed, they, they, but tw- yeah, it, it was twelve it was point bad. favorites. I mean, twelve a, point what, oh, Northern oh. Illinois or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Northern Illinois now screwed me twice uh, <laughs> this year, and when, when they're double digit, oh, I guess I'm just gonna go start going bet on the Huskies. Um, so my lock this week, 
I hate picking them uh, for anything, right. uh, but I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys minus four over the Pats. I'm going to yeah. go a four-point favorite. I think, I mean, right now they're humming, uh, and uh, I just think that now I think I mean, the they've last won every game, game since that opening week lost. Yeah, right, yeah. right. And I think that the game against the Giants is kind of a not really a fluke, but it was kind of a throwaway game because you had three or two of the best offensive weapons of the Giants got out, and then all of a sudden the drubbing was on. But uh, the Pats almost got beat by the Texans. Now they 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 really screwed one of my parlays up, uh, and. Uh, that's what my lock is. Minus four over the Pats. I think that can be easy uh, for them to do. And then I'm going to go with the Vikings. I don't like betting on the Vikings, but they are playing Carolina, and they're right, right. now a one-point dog so far. Uh, and Carolina had a 15-6 to lead over the Eagles, and the Eagles came back against Carolina, and Carolina was favored by, like, four or something like that. And, uh, yeah, so Carolina really screwed me in that parlay, too. So uh, I'm going to go with the Vikings. I'm going to go with – I'm going to go against the two teams that screwed me this week uh, That's good, in parlays. That's good planning. That's good planning. Uh, so, the crazy thing with the Vikings is, yeah, you had Dalvin Cook not play on Sunday. Alexander Madison just steps yeah. in there and balls out. I had him for fantasy, luckily, because hey. I, I, had, I had Dalvin Cook. And so I was like, all right, I guess I got to start Madison with Cookout. He did well. I had Leonard Fournette, who played really well. So uh, I still lose. I still lost this week, unfortunately, <laughs> in fantasy football. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think the Vikings are one of those just very weird teams where y- you just never know what they're going to bring that, right. that week. And uh, I, I think Carolina, like you said, uh, some mistakes there. I don't know when McCaffrey comes back, but uh, I don't think it's now. I think it's still a couple weeks away. So, right. um, so yeah, I, I would say I, I like the Vikings pick there, too. So we'll see. You've got two, two, two picks ahead of me right now. Uh, in our records, I'm hoping to improve. I lost by two to you last time, so I'm hoping to just stay right there. And then I got to make my move. I'm hoping it will be this week. MSU minus four and a half, Northwestern plus two. Mike has Dallas uh, minus four and Vikings plus one. Those are our money line picks, sponsored by DraftKings. Go bet responsibly. And that about does it for episode 82 of the show. Um, it's going to be a packed one next week, too. I mean, we're going to be breaking down Washington football team taking on the Chiefs. We're going to be talking a couple Caps games. Wizards are right around the corner. I believe their season starts like October 20th or something, somewhere around there. So they'll be here in a couple weeks. We'll be watching them. I know that I read today Rui Hachimura has reported now to camp. He had been opting out for a bit. Um, uh, We don't know really the situation behind it, but he is back, and that's good. Um, obviously we like Rui and hopefully he can get in good game shape and we'll see him, uh, to start the season. So a lot of, a lot of crazy sports time. I mean, uh, college football, NFL, hockey, NBA, uh, I mean, baseball playoffs, it's a great it's a great time to not be going to weddings every weekend, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I got one <laughs> left, man. I got one left. <laughs> All right. Well that's good. Uh you can check out Mike on Twitter at Surround16 and check out the main show account at the DC Crossover. And please download the Contender app. That's Contender with a K. Stream our show and others. And when whenever Mike and I hop on live for post-game shows, that's where you want to go. The Contender app. Uh and and go, yeah, go download that today. It's free. No sweat off your back. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you tuning into this episode. Here for Mike Sarone, I am Ben Simpson. We will see you next week on the DC Crossover.